You're listening to the Saturday Morning D&D Show with Jordan, the PH is silent, and Sir Lucian. There we go. And then if I go over here, I can start my video. Hey! We're both there. And then we're both there. <laughs> kind of. <laughs> <laughs> so much fun. Yeah. Uh, how are you, Lucian? How's it going? Great. Great. Yeah? Just uh, missed what time it was there. Oh, it's okay. You know, we're making it work. But <laughs> I had an it's... hour and I was like, wait a minute, that's not right. Yeah, not right at all. <laughs> that's the opposite of right. Um, no. Yeah, we were, uh, you know, we were just living our living our best life talking about, uh, I went to a Coheed and Cambria concert. I don't know if you are aware of them. Uh-huh. I didn't, I have heard of um, them, yes. I, heard some songs. I have a Coheed and Cambria sweatshirt now. It's very exciting. <laughs> Nice. Um, and I have a new overlay that I'm experimenting with that everyone is That's watching true. me experiment with on the fly right now. Perfect. So exciting. <laughs> hey, there we go. Um, excellent. Good. Yeah. So we are going to talk about all of the, the fun stuff in the worlds of uh, Dungeons and Dragons. Um, the video is up. We're good. Uh, got full COVID. No shaving crickets. Sorry, mm -hmm. I was watching the things. Um. Well, first of all, how are you? Besides running late. Yeah. No, I'm good. Good. Excellent. <laughs> just just running late. No, uh, yeah. So it's been uh, it's rainy and cold. I don't know about where everybody else is, but beautiful here. Couldn't ask for ah. for better weather. It's we're in the the weird like middle summer where it got really cold and then it comes back, but. Um, there are, so we just keep getting more and more Wizards of the Coast books, like, yeah. um, a lot of them. And this is the trail end of the month where we're just getting, uh, you know, Planescape was the hot item and it was out mm -hmm. and now it is no longer Planescape because we are focused on the book of many things. Many things. Yeah. What do you... Lucian, a man of many talents, know yes. about the Book of Many Things. I know that Ted really liked it from Gen Con. I know that when he went and got to see the previews of it. He um, did. And it sounds like it's the the kind of book that we all like. Well, um, not the book. I want to I want to ask you, what do you know about the Deck of Many Things? Like the old oh, magic item. That's where I was wondering if you were yeah. going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, it, you know, notoriously, it has the campaign ender kind of moniker to it, where typically yeah. once a dungeon master has, you know, tried to deploy it in some fun way, things have gone quite awry. Um, we've seen it used in Critical Role. So that's oh, another really? area when did that they we've use seen. It? Oh, that's right. Uh, uh, yeah. he The barbarian got his soul captured or something, right? right? Yeah. 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 Okay. Pulling those. So that can lead to something. Um, and I know it's not a full deck of 52 cards, so you're going to tell us the exact number because I know you've looked into it a little bit more. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, those are the things I know. Yeah. Um, uh, so the original deck of many things, I'm trying to think of the magic item. Let's see. Deck of many things, forgotten realms, magic item. Um, it was... It was a 22-card deck. That's right. So you could use an actual 52-card deck, and the the cards would balance out to certain things. Um, so it's like, oh, you have the Ace of Spades. That's the Comet, or you have this. And so you would, like, build your own kind of pretend deck. Um, and it's just like a weird i don't know where i'm trying to think of like where this came from or if it was just like i want to create like gary gygax like i want to just make a weird i don't know terrible thing that mm -hmm. happens to players because some of it is really cool like oh i level up or i get fifty thousand gold pieces or i do this or something like that and then the other one is like my soul is gone or i'm dead or i have mm -hmm. to do all this other things um i played a second edition game where we basically did the the deck of many things and then afterwards uh we're gone like the the campaign ended because 
gonzo stuff happened and the the dm was like well i'm out and that's probably why he brought it in because it was like the ruiner of all games uh mm -hmm. so i'm also kind of excited for this upcoming book because the book of many things is the deck of many things but also with like a user guide which uh is almost necessary so mm -hmm. now wizards of the coast came out with a couple videos because planescapes out we'll talk about that in a little bit yeah um but they came out with some videos about like what is it how do you use it what's going on behind it blah 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 um and they've expanded the 22 card deck to 66 cards so there's a lot more cards a lot more nonsense that can happen um and then there's a almost 200 page hardcover book and the book has oh you pulled the like i don't know the demon eats your soul card and then you can go to that section of the book and it has like here's three applicable demons their motivations for coming after you and all of this other stuff which i thought was uh is very useful because if you're just using the deck as the magic item in the dungeon master's guide it has little to no assistance on how to actually um utilize it so you're like i don't know like what does this happen another cool thing i thought of is that they said before it was always like gold like if you get the card that gives you fifty thousand gold or something it just appears in front of you but the way they are introducing this is that you can use this as like a foreshadowing so kind of like a um a tarot deck where it's like okay well, let's let's read your fortune and so if you if you get the money card then you know that like within the next week of adventuring you're going to come into a lot of money somehow and so that also allows the dm to have time to like figure out how to work this into the story um mm -hmm. and the other really cool thing about this product i thought was neat is they they had they said in their video that they had uh they 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 used the cards to create an adventure so they they took like six cards they shuffled them up and then based on their meanings they like laid them out and made a little adventure and then they gave those same cards to another developer at wizards of the coast and said you make an adventure and then they gave them to another one and said you make an adventure and with those same cards they made three very different adventures so the the amount of like i don't know the the customizability and just like being mm -hmm. able to come up with games um on the fly is something that I really enjoy. Like, I like the idea of like, um, talk about like a sandbox or something where you're like, I don't know, let's see what's over that horizon. Oh, it's this. And then here's a book that's going to help me actually facilitate that. Um, exactly. There's a lot of talk because this is a uh, hundred dollars <laughs> and everyone's like a hundred dollars. Uh, and I was trying to think Spelljammer was a hundred dollars, I think, or maybe it was a little less Planescape. I don't remember how much Planescape was. Was Planescape $100? Uh, $94. So, yeah. So, Planescape is three books. It was a box set. It's $100. So, I, I wonder yeah. if they're kind of not pushing this, but, like, they're going to make these nice higher tier products towards the end kind of a thing. Um, yeah, Glory but you, of the Giants was $69.95 on yeah. their webpage. Fandelver Below, $69.95 on their webpage. And they yeah. did increase their prices. We'll talk about that in a second because other companies are increasing their prices. Um, but you're getting the book of many things. You're getting the expanded 66 cards. Like you get the actual cards with this. And then you get an 80-page hardcover book that showcases each of the cards in the, in, the, uh, in the deck. So you have like a reference book, all the cards, and then like the actual book to help you. To me, that feels like it's worth $100. Like, I was thinking back to mm -hmm. the Curse of Strahd box set they came out, and they got a lot of flack for not having that be hardcover to save money. And it was like, it's $100, and they're not even hardcover. But at the same time, you were getting, like, the Taraka deck and a bunch of other stuff. And so uh, I, this just feels like it's okay for $100. I don't know. Um, maybe if they were decoupled so that I could buy just the book for 60 because I'm going to use my own handmade cards or something, or I'm going to buy a tarot deck and kind of like fancy it up to, to work with my game. Because um, mm -hmm. tarot decks are all the, the rage now. Like you can get all kinds of different tarot decks for really cheap in any kind of format you ever wanted. 
So well, and I wonder if they add into that price a little bit that you're also getting the digital copy. They're giving you the D and D Beyond version of this stuff also, right. which they've not done previously. For those of us that have bought lots of things, both the physical book and I want to have it on TV Beyond. Yeah, it's, you know. Well, and I will say uh, that is a promotion right now. I think it's going to be a hundred dollars in general, but the promotion on their website is a hundred dollars for also the digital bundle. But it's a um, hundred and ten with normally, so like it's discounting Got down it. to ninety nine. So, um, but. This is clearly not marked for players, which is kind of an interesting thing, because usually they have, like, the Giants book that came out was a monster book, also for Dungeon Masters, but it mm -hmm. had little sprinklings of, like, here's some backgrounds, and here's, like, a class, or here's a subclass, and here's this. Uh, this is, like, just information for a Dungeon Master, which is something that I like, because I want supplements like this, so... Mm -hmm. Um, I'm actually really excited for this now. Up to so. 66 cards, right? So that's yeah. like 22 was the original. They add 44, so they double what the original was and add to the original. Mm -hmm. That's a lot of cards now. Yeah, it's a lot. And so, and to have them all do stuff and to have like a cool physical prop at the table. Uh, mm -hmm. I do think I would really like that they used like a a traditional tarot deck or something so that you could customize it. And I, and I bet there will be people online that create something to that effect. Yeah. Um, and then it makes me wonder if all 66 of these cards will be in the new dungeon master's guide, or mm -hmm. is this like the new standard or is it always going to be 22 cards? And then this supplement has the extra, you know, the, the, the extra right. what, 40, whatever. So 44, 44. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but that's, that's the new book of many things. I was trying to remember when it came out. Uh, I don't remember it, November 14th. So yeah, a little yeah. less than a month away. This is <laughs> early access <laughs> on Halloween. Um, and so, uh, we'll probably be seeing a lot more. There's already people that have review copies floating around. So, uh, if you want to go look through it, I know, I know a couple of YouTubers who have them and I've watched their videos. Uh, so you can see if you like it. We'll see. Um, yeah, I just, I like the whole adventure building. I think that's the thing I'm most excited about of it, is that you can use the cards for adventure building. Much yeah, like you sure could the Taraka deck from Curse of Strahd. Yeah. So. yeah, I've seen some other game systems and some other DMs that run. Basically, they, they have a Terra deck version of something that they create so that during character creation, they might have the characters pull one or two and that helps inform a little bit about, you know, the characters themselves. But then right. as the adventure goes by, they get to pick another Terra and that's the piece that helps them. Then what's the future going to be like, you know? So like, there's one about like, what's your past, what's your present. And then eventually they play a little bit and they're like, all right, it's time for you to pick your future card. And then they pick that. And then the, the DM is able to take that and creatively try to work a way in that it would make sense that, this is something that will befall the cre the the characters in the future. So yeah, yeah, foreshadowing. Definitely fun like, I to like think that. about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and but like still foreshadowing, random, right? still, still just out of the open. There's no planning to it. It's just like you have to react yes. to it, or you have to be able to to maneuver with it, which makes it, I think, fun. Yeah, one hundred percent. I think it's. I I don't know that those are the kind of things that I really like. Uh, uh, yeah. Tables, stuff like that. You know, things that mm -hmm. help me make a game move forward and this feels like it was a magic item that halted games and now it's one where it's like ah oh, the game's kind of like everyone's kind of like i don't know and now it's like i'm injecting new energy into it so yeah mm -hmm. um planescape 5e is out i've read most of it via DD beyond because i don't have a physical copy yet um but i do think i'm gonna pick it up and a lot of people are talking about is this worth it is this um because Planescape has a a big uh, fan base. I mean, this was a, a big, uh, I don't know, pedestal that Planescape was on. It's kind of intimidating to try and, and bring it to 5e in any way. Uh, mm -hmm. And it's getting mixed reviews. Some people are like, this is a worthy addition to Planescape. And other people are like, why would you ever play this? And I was kind of going through a couple of, of uh, tabletop mm -hmm. news sites and, and people are back and forth and you can tell some people are like, ah, da, da. one thing I took away from this though, is like 
Planescape not only had the Planescape box set for second edition, but they also had like 30 other supplements that were like, here's a book just about uh, Hades, and here's a book just about the Abyss, mm -hmm. and here's an adventure, and here's this. And um, to capture all of that in a single box set is probably not going to happen. Uh, right. Planescape also... In that regard, I will say, like, this is not the full Planescape, but I think it is a, a good introduction to uh, the Planes of Existence as a whole. And mm -hmm. that second edition material is still out there. You can still pick it up. Uh, one thing that somebody was saying is that there used to be a big, like, chaos and law, good and evil, philosophical... Um, divide and discussion about the planes like what what is inherently evil and why is it in this lower plane and what does that mean or what is inherently good and what mm -hmm. can befall you to become chaotic good and things like that and that also seems to be missing it's really more of a um here's the here's the planes i guess of existence here's the outlands here's sigil yeah because like, alignment has really gone by yeah. the wayside really and I was wondering if 2024 will not have alignment. So uh, talking to Celeste Konowich, I was talking to her at Gen mm -hmm. Con. And I guess the Tales of the Valiant, they did a survey. And it was like overwhelmingly, everyone was like, get rid of alignment. And she's like, oh, okay, done. Like if nobody wants it, we'll get rid of it. So Tales of the Valiant will not have alignment. Um, and Dodger Crawl Classics, you can all take a drink now, will have, has alignment, mm -hmm. but in the sense of chaos neutrality and law there's no good and evil so it is um but that was a fundamental principle of old gygax dnd is that like the forces of chaos are trying to destroy the world like the the entropy mm -hmm. is real and the forces of law are trying to hold on to civilization and there's that eternal struggle one side will never win kind of a thing. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and to just get rid of that is kind of interesting, but there's lots of other RPGs that don't have that, you know, uh, fantasy aside, like it's like, uh, well, I don't know, Numenera and any of the other things. Like I was like, yeah. well, of course kids on bikes isn't going to have that, but it's like your actions choose who you are. And I, I've never enjoyed players being like, well, I am chaotic neutral. So I have to act like this. It's like, no, no, no. Um, but I do like it in Planescape when it relates to the planes, because if you take a chaotic mm -hmm. character and put them in a lawful setting, they feel uncomfortable or like spells don't work the same way or something like that. And that was something about Planescape I really liked, where you you had an area of the outland or of the Great Wheel that you felt comfortable in and you have another area where you don't feel comfortable in. And that apparently mm -hmm. has gone the wayside uh, for good or the worse. There's also a big emphasis on the multiverse, which I think is the buzzword because of Marvel and stuff like that. And D&D yeah. uh, &D wants Planescape to be their multiversal hub with maybe Sigil being like the TVA and you can kind of go <laughs> anywhere and everywhere all at once. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know if that will work out because Sigil was never really meant to be a place like that and they're kind of shoehorning it in. So we'll see. It's a city of doors though. So but it, it, you're right. It is a city of doors. It's the it, on paper. It's it like the, the perfect TBA. place to do it. So it is kind of the TVA. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, which man, a, a TVA, uh, I just watched Loki's episode three last night of season two. We did too. Yeah, and, I was just like, yeah, we just watched it. <laughs> and so the TVA <laughs> would be such a great, uh, D and D campaign. I think like yeah. going back and you're like, you have to stop this guy because he did this and he's running amok through all of these mm -hmm. different worlds and you have to like dress up and pretend, you know, like how fun would that be? Uh, <laughs> the adventure I hear is uh, fun for Planescape. So I, that, that I haven't read. I just went through kind of the supplemental material, but I do like all the information on the gate towns and how gate towns work and things like that. Mm -hmm. And the information on Sigil is very useful and the maps are beautiful. So I will. And I also feel like Planescape kind of dovetailed well back in the day with Spelljammer. I always thought that it's what gave Spelljammer all the different worlds and places it could go, like, you know, all the different planes, it could go all the places in those planes. And yes, there were other worlds they could go to, but really you would be going to a lot of these other planes too, or, you know, experiencing that stuff too. So I thought, but how do you bring that forward into 5e? Unless, like you said, there's 50 books out there that, you know, were supplements because they went supplement happy yeah. where everybody, a fighter got a book, a thief got a book, you know, like 
everybody got their book. Um, 5e is, hasn't really been that way. It's always been a condensed down of we'll take some of that and put it in a book or box set. And then yeah. we kind of step away and we walk away, which <clears throat> I think the fans, when they say we want, um, we want Planescape, we want Spelljammer, we want Dark Sun, we want, you know, this or that. In their minds, they're thinking, I'm thinking, I get multiple books that are going to help define that. When yeah. the reality is we should know if they even decide to do it, they're only going to give us one book for it. <laughs> they're not going to, they're not diving in at this point. And still not an original book, right? Like an original never before seen place that didn't exist in first or second or third edition or fourth edition. It seems like we still haven't got to that point where the designers get to create something we haven't been to yet or, or done or, you know, just like they don't have, they we're still forgotten realms. We're still, you know, all that stuff. So I'm still surprised. I don't know if the D&D &D 2024, right? That's the name that we're, we're yeah. they're, they're launching around. Are they going to open this world up? Are we going to get to see new lore? Are we going to get to see new places? Or is it still just going to be, we're building the tools and we really just want the DMs to build the worlds? Right? Yeah, and I, I, I think that's it. Like, I think they want to, they want to make a, they want to make a Planescape product and then allow um, the DMs Guild to fill in all of the blanks for things. And yeah. since Planescape has been open, there is a flood of DMs Guild Planescape products. Like, there's a a dollar supplement for every gate town. There was mm -hmm. all kind. I found uh, so much AI generated art. And some of it, I'm like, well, that looks kind of cool. And then I looked closer and I'm like, that skeleton has three rolls, <laughs> three rows of teeth instead of two. That's weird. Yeah. So uh, lots of stuff like that. But I, that was always their plan because they, TSR knew they spiraled down too far when they, they made too many supplements. So it makes sense. Um, but mm -hmm. at the same time, like, I really want more uh, Eberron stuff, you know? And luckily I got that through Keith Baker, but like, we're not are we going to see another long, you know, full book adventure by, from wizards of the coast set in Eberron? And I'm like, well, I don't think we ever yeah. will. Maybe they or, say that or it's when on the horizon to make but... the new Eberron. Like yeah. when's the new, the new world, the new, Hey guys, we're going to create right. this new fantastical place. And we're bringing in these designers or writers yeah. or famous people, you know, or people we've already heard of, or we're doing a contest to bring in, you know, the best ideas, but I mean, create a new like not... IP, a new world, new characters. I think that would be, yeah, I, I've always wanted that. We've always liked that idea of rather than trying to shoehorn mm -hmm. uh, 5e mechanics in a 2e setting, you know, yeah. make a 5e setting, like explain mm -hmm. where Dragonborn come from, explain where changelings come from, you know, like yeah. how do they work in Dying 5e? Because that's what they did with Eberron in third edition and Eberron has stood the test of time, so. Um, yeah, there's a lot of Planescape material on the DMs Guild. Uh, I, I don't know. I'm, I, I'm excited. I, I want to read the Planescape adventure and see where it goes. But uh, Paizo announced that they're raising their prices to basically match Wizards of the Coast. So a certain number of page books will be uh, $60, basically going from $50 to $60. Um, mm -hmm. and I was in a discord with some other indie publishers, like, uh, Ben Milton was there and a bunch of other people, Chris McDowd. And, oh, uh, it was really fun to talk to them. Cause when they announced this, when wizard announced that they were like, oh good, everybody can raise their prices now. And we don't have to lower our prices because wizards of the coast sets the standard for how much people will pay for mm -hmm. an RPG. And I never really thought about that, but that is exactly right. Because if you're Paizo and you're just like, well, our books are $80. They're like, well, I can go play D&D &D for 60 so bye. Yeah. They, they have to match what Wizards of the Coast does. So if Wizards of the Coast says this is a $60 product, all of a sudden all of these other tabletop RPGs can say, oh, well, now our $40 product is a $50 product. Um and I'm sure inflation and a lot of other things has has to do with um, some of these prices. But it was it was interesting to me that Paizo was like, we are going to also raise our rates now that they didn't say directly because Wizards of the Coast did. But it was because directly because Wizards of the Coast did. Uh, mm -hmm. And thank you, Mo and Peach, for the $2 donation. I know the Drow Patreon game, you want that so bad. 
I, I just don't know if I have the time, but I, I really do. I, I really do love the idea. <laughs> um, so they said a 128 page book will be $45 and a 192 will be 60. A 256 will be 70 and a 300 plus book will be $80. So, um, yeah. and I'm assuming that's like, you know, 128 page adventure or maybe like a small supplement or something. Um, and I've always yeah. felt the Paizo books are packed a little bit more page wise than Dungeons and Dragons, Wizards of the Coast dense. books for the yeah. most. Most of the time, like they're they're they've got a 640 page you know Pathfinder Second Edition guide, which is their core rule book is 640 bucks, and that's 69 dollars on their um, their website right now. So I mean they they put out some big content filled books also along with but i could see where you know some of the adventure books which are probably like those 128 page ones are going to be that price but i've always felt like they gave a really good value for that same price point that they were at they were giving a little bit more their pages their books were just a tiny bit bigger and usually yeah. you can wait and you can get the pocket-sized ones too and i believe the pocket-sized ones are usually less priced if yeah. Um, you're not old and your eyes can read them because now Dan has gotten old. You should have gotten <laughs> old. Uh, that's starting to be a problem. But <laughs> they are cool to have the pocket size because I still really enjoy those over the other ones just for handling them. Just the, at the table, be, be yeah. ready, the print is small. <laughs> yeah, I bought the um, uh, the Pathfinder First Edition Game Mastery Guide Pocket Edition. Um yeah not because I play Pathfinder, but it has so much good tables and information for mm -hmm. uh, NPCs and stuff. And so that was like, yeah. And for what, maybe it was like 15, 20 bucks at the time. Like they're, they're yeah, really cheap. It was for, a good price. Yeah. It's a good price, but it is, it's just a small paperback book, but sometimes that's all you need, you know? Yeah. And I think I got the and, PDF with it too. So it's like, okay. And but. typically what we see is release prices and back of the book printed prices. Obviously if you wait a month, Amazon sales, bundle sales. Yeah. All those things can bring it down for those of us that are like, we want to pinch our pennies a little bit. We want to save our money. There's always ways to do that if you're just patient a little bit. It's they're always trying to get those people that want early access or they want, you know, book on day one. They're always those are the people we're always trying to get into their wallet deeper and deeper and deeper. <laughs> it seems like. So. Um, but I wonder if I, I don't think a $10 increase is going to push anyone away from the hobby um, because there's it's always been reliant on like a few people buying it and then getting their friends to play. Um, yeah. And so uh, I still have friends that are like super active into Dungeons and Dragons and they have never bought anything like oh, right. they some they uh, they never bought a player's <laughs> handbook. They never bought all of that other stuff. All they do is uh, leech. I shouldn't say leech, but they have access to everything because of D&D &D Beyond, and they're good. They're like, yeah, our friend bought it. I just, like, utilize that. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, whoa, okay. Yeah. Uh, so, you, it, yeah. <laughs> as a group, you could just pool your money together just buy D&D &D Beyond stuff, and your group then has that access, which yeah. hopefully they never remove in, such, in that way. And then, yeah, you, you can have your whole group paid for that kind of stuff. So, I don't know. I don't. I think they're willing to pay that money just because. Look at the the price of some of those miniatures that they put out. Some of the, I mean, you buy Kids a blue mean? dragon, yeah, yeah. the, the Whiz Kids stuff, and like, there people are buying that stuff, and that's mega money, right? That's and true. You're buying Forge World or Forge tiles, and you're buying. You know, there's people are willing to spend money. So it's definitely a hobby of people that have expendable income. They're willing to really kind of throw out on some of this stuff. So it's interesting because um, it is a hobby where you could put like no money in or like all yeah. of the money in. It's kind of interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Thousands and thousands of dollars. Yeah. Um, I wanted to point this out. There's a couple of, of cool sales. Uh, one of them is hum Humble Bundle has a Vampire the Masquerade um, sale. Uh, and it's through like Renegade Game Studios, I think. But yeah, $18 for 20 PDFs. Um, I've never played any Vampire the Masquerade. This is the newer one, I think. But it's the same system. It's like a D10 system. So um, have you ever played 
vampire or werewolf or mage or all the other <laughs> no, ones? I, for a brief moment, I knew a group that was playing it, and I was interested in the the werewolf part of it because if if anything in that world, that's the part I would kind of lean to yeah. more than being the vampire. Um, but never actually did play it. But it's funny that I knew lots of people that did. And I have seen some live plays and stuff. I've watched a few series on some live plays. And it's it's definitely, I always imagined it as being the, the, the actors or thespians role-playing game. The, the, it's more, the people more that role play really like to get into their character. And combat. it's about conversation and discussion and being your character versus there's a bunch of dice rolls happening and we're moving miniatures anywhere or any of that kind of stuff. Yeah, it's and they do a lot of live play stuff. That's too. how I always remember it. Yeah, is that they yeah. have the um, we're all gonna dress like our characters. We're gonna go mm -hmm. to a a ball or something, and then you're mm -hmm. pretending you're your character. Uh, I wonder if that also has to do with uh, the I well. I don't know. I just I guess yeah, like embodying your character and things like that is kind of. Yeah. But I've always I've always thought of it as LARPing light, I guess. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, From the experience that I've had I've, or seen the people or met the people yeah. that have played it, that's what it always reminded me of. So Which is I, great. There's lots of people that love that. I want to play it at some point, but it's kind of like my Cthulhu quest that I eventually got where I want somebody who really likes Vampire to run it for me. Um, and mm -hmm. now that I think about it, my, my friend here, she was big into Vampire back in the, like, 2000s and i think she still has all the books and we were we were pressuring her a while ago to be like run us a vampire game she's like oh i don't know like <laughs> but with her uh, for this <laughs> maybe she'll have yeah maybe it's like uh we'll go get this um but i i bought and read mage the ascension which is in the vampire mm -hmm. the masquerade universe but you play yeah. wizards um, mm -hmm. in like like Dresden file kind of wizards and I always wanted that's the what I gravitated towards you talk about like werewolves mm -hmm. and stuff like I like mm -hmm. that idea of just being like I don't know modern day warlock, modern modern day day warlock detective yeah. like running around solving crimes <laughs> yeah. with magic and stuff so yeah Dresden is a great great story great show loved that there's a Dresden great. uh RPG yeah. if you're interested. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um there's also uh uh Sorry, my link is not working. Um, no. So there was an RPG zine called Weird Science, W-I-R-D Science. Um, mm -hmm. And they made four uh, zines, issues one, two, three, four. Um, I didn't really know what this was, so I never really picked it up. But I thought the art was really cool and, and things like that. Well, they uh, they gave out – they're giving it away for free right now. So usually I think they charge like $10 a zine, um, but it's on drive through and it's on itch.io for pay what you want right now. I went and had to pick them up and these are actually interviews with other people about RPGs and RPG design. Um, they are not dissimilar from the knock magazine. If you're familiar with those, which are kind of like the, the OSR zine of like, here's a bunch of um, tables and the next page might be an article on monster design. And then the next page is like how to play a space vampire. So uh, I, I think it's worth checking out because it's free. And they're, I think they're also trying to get the word out because they might be trying a volume too soon. And they want to get the word out. But yeah, you should check it out because it's free. Um, and I think some of those articles are really cool. And I would like to see more zines like this survive and thrive because uh lots of really cool useful information there and it's also fun to have in a booklet form i mean these are pdf but i i assume they had a print version at some point who knows so uh but weird science and you can let me know what your favorite weird science thing is i guess oh and we we know what the last book that um that's coming this year so we just talked about that have we had any indication besides the the new Player's Handbook, Dungeon Master's Guide, yeah, that's Monster it. Book for 2024? No, but no other books have been announced or anything else. Like what else might be happening for next year yep. content-wise? And we didn't get a – did we get a Magic Gathering book this year? Uh, this year, no. We, I don't think so. Don't the think last Magic so book that's, was Strixhaven. Yeah. So 
Yeah. So that was, I thought that was interesting that the, the tie into that other game, which had been a big push for the last at least two or three years, four years, almost, we didn't see one this year. And I wonder if um, that tie in part is done, but, or, or not. Yeah. I think the magic team has their own timeline. Um, and I, uh, as far as like bringing magic into D and D, I, I don't know why they did or did not. Um, and I don't even know what the next setting would be that they would do that with. Yeah. Uh, but it was interesting seeing there were there were two sets that made uh, there was a Baldur's Gate set that got into Magic, and then there was the Forgotten Realms Adventures that got into Magic. Uh, and yeah. <clears throat> now Magic is like fully diving into here's our Lord of the Rings, here's our All Doctor the Who, here's that. Yeah, they're like Which, everywhere. There's a couple of conspiracy theories out there that are people. I shouldn't say conspiracy theories, but there are people out there that are saying this will be the downfall of wizards and magic because comic books did the same thing where they started like, like Marvel comics and it became like an investment like, Oh, well I better buy this plus the 13 variant covers because if I have them mm -hmm. all, then, and I sit on them for 10 years, they'll go up in price this much. But the problem is, 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 if everybody's doing that, then the cards or the comics don't actually go up in worth and you can't find anybody to buy them. Uh, and so people are saying like, people are treating magic like an investment as opposed to playing the game. And mm -hmm. Wizards is shifting their booster packs kind of based on that. And so it's like, well, if everybody's collecting but nobody's playing, then... What, mm, I think we have a problem. And so uh, I don't know. I, I don't follow the magic scene. Um, I casually play on arena, but that was because the Lord of the Rings pulled me back in and I was like, oh, this is fun. And now I'm not playing again because I don't really care. Yeah. So. Well, I did see, I just noticed that they're, they're coming soon, a Ravnica remastered. And the reason that popped up in my head is because I always, Ravnica was the one that really drew me in and I really liked the book wizard put out for dungeons and dragons 5e i think it's my favorite of the um uh, magic the gathering books that they did was the ravnica book they didn't do so a ravnica book did they yeah the vampires but that's the the guild the, the guild land oh ravnica's the guild i was thinking of uh yeah, yeah, yeah. innistrad the guilds the 12 yeah, the guilds. Yeah. yeah they haven't done that one you're right ravnica. Um, so they're doing a Ravnica remastered in Magic the Gathering card set. So they're going to come back and, and add more artwork and more stuff to that. Then there's the Lost Caverns of Ixalan, which is a world we haven't seen. I think could be a pretty cool world for like yeah. a Dungeons and Dragons campaign setting. But then I just saw the other two reaching out to the outside IPs, like we just mentioned. Fallout is coming and Assassin's yeah. Creed is coming to Magic the Gathering. So I'm like, all right, they're really reaching out to these different areas. And we haven't seen that in Dungeons and Dragons yet. Like, way outside the IP coming into Dungeons and Dragons. I wonder if, if Wizards will ever do that one uh, with their D&D or if they'll just keep it full full fantasy like they have. So Or more movie tie-in too. Like We haven't heard anything about are they going to do the next movie? Are they going to do another movie? Are they going to do more stuff that supports the movie? Because it was pretty successful as far as I understand. It wasn't, I liked it. It wasn't Marvel I mean, successful. It was a good movie, but it wasn't Marvel true. successful. Um and Hasbro sold their Paramount subshare of the movie, uh, liquidated oh, okay. a bunch of stuff. So they're, they still Maybe have the potential to make another one. Um, but Transformers also didn't make a lot of money, uh, the latest like uh, Beast Wars movie. So movie-wise, right. I think Hasbro is like going to take a breath and try again later. Um, and we'll see. Makes sense. Yeah. All right. Um, so that, that got me thinking about uh, something. Oh, uh, Magic the Gathering's coming out with a Final Fantasy set at some point. Um, which oh I was talking about, you know, like we talk about like what is D&D? &D? And if I, if I, I really wish that D&D &D had the same mentality as Final Fantasy because Final Fantasy like six and Final Fantasy... Well, yeah, even seven, like, <laughs> yeah. like the Final Fantasy four and Final Fantasy seven, very different games, very different worlds. Like, you're just like, what the hell is happening? There's materia in one, there's spells in the other, there's mm -hmm. espers, there's summons. But at the core of it, 
I always know it's a Final Fantasy game because of certain things, like there's chocobos. Uh, yeah. You're going to be able to cast white magic and black magic. There's sometimes there's blue magic. You're going to have summons. They might be called something different, but there's going to be a big earth guy named Titan, and I'm going to be able to use him to fight. Um, mm -hmm. I wish that D&D &D did something similar to that because you could you could create the core game, but then is is this D&D? &D? And you're like, well, I and this actually goes into a bigger argument of like, the OSR is probably D&D &D because what do I think of when I think it's D&D? &D? I think casting wizard spells, being a cleric with a god, uh, mm -hmm. the, I don't know, weird spells like the clone spell, being able to like clone, you know, mind control this or charisma check that. That's what I think of. And so in my mind, this, all these OSR games are also D&D. &D. Uh, they're just not like, you know, D&D, &D, but Final Fantasy is the same way. It's just Final Fantasy has somehow, probably because it's a video game, being able to hold on to the idea of like, oh, this is a Final Fantasy game. Uh, I don't know. It's kind of interesting. Yeah. Like, I, I, I think, I wonder how well Wizards of the Coast would do with D&D &D if they emphasized, like, all of those little things that make up D&D is actually what D&D is, as opposed to, it's the Forgotten Realms. It's, it's our official right. brand on this, you know? Mm -hmm. And that's why people yeah, probably were like, fourth edition wasn't D&D. &D. And I think a, a lot of people said that. They're like, fourth edition wasn't D&D. &D. It was D&D &D in name only because they could put the D&D &D name on anything. But it's like, this isn't D&D. &D. This is some weird tactical board game. Like, what? And so, <laughs> I don't know. But fun if they'd have given it a chance. <laughs> well, it was pretty good. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I got a couple of Kickstarters in the mail. One Yay. of them is Monty Cooks the Weird the weird i don't think i knew what i was kickstarting it's not a bad thing <laughs> uh i was under the impression that this was going to be uh well it was marketed as a tool to help you put like weird things in your game i thought it was going to be like essays and stuff like that to kind of like how do you make a monty cook weird game how do you make an invisible sun mm -hmm. campaign like what is the essence of weird? Um, this is the book of the most random tables of all tables. Uh, weird. <laughs> it is it is solely tables, um, which is cool. And there are some really fun things in here. So I am not sad that I got this. Uh, but mm -hmm. he has it listed out by uh, fantasy, science fiction, uh, Metropolis, which is like superheroes. And then okay. horror and a, a couple of other things in here. And so you can kind of flip through and you're like, oh, I have a fantasy one. And like, oh, this will work for my fantasy one. And this is uh, alternative fantasy spells. And you can roll on this table and be like, I have a spell that uh, creates a furnace-like armor that appears around the target providing, uh, yeah. So furnace-like armor appears around the target and shields them. And so there's lots of fun um, I was especially looking at the spell mishap table because I thought that was fun. Like, what happens when a spell goes wrong? Awry. Um, <laughs> and, yeah, and you're like, oh, okay. Like, I, it didn't cast well. Um, it kind of has the same thing as Mercurial Magic as in DCC, but uh, it's it's good. This is a fun book. This is not what I was expecting. Um, <laughs> and the other weird thing about this Kickstarter is Monty Cook, um, I Kickstarted this along with a adventure that's like tied to it and some um polyhedral dice that are made from like a silicone squishy material oh. and only this came in the mail and i'm like whoa so then i go and check their website and they're like well yeah the the adventure's not done yet we'll ship it when it's done and i'm like but in my mind it's a kickstarter you ship it all at the same time yeah. like what do you mean <laughs> and so we got this book but we didn't get the other stuff the other pieces yeah so yeah. those are coming whenever they get done, but it's kind of nice to have the book and Monty Cook always makes really good products. So I like sat down to read this and then just realized it was, it was just tables, but tables are cool. I just was, I was unprepared for, <laughs> for all of the tables. Um, and I think it'll be a fun tool to inject weird in my game. And then I also got, Oh, I have it upside down. DCC 100. The music of the spheres is chaos. This is nice. a beefy box set. So that is uh, 
the 100th adventure for Dungeon Crawl Classics. And it's a level five adventure, and it's like this thick of an adventure. It's got a whole bunch of stuff in here. There's also a game board in here and spinning tiles because the map you play on um, through character interaction spins, and then your characters are either blocked off certain areas or they can't go to certain areas. So, and my, my puppy just walked in with her toy, so there's going to be some crinkling <laughs> sounds. I apologize. Um, it's really cool. And I think this mm -hmm. might be the penultimate campaign ending thing with my uh, Peril of the Purple Planet. Like, I think when they leave the Purple Planet, this is the dungeon that I'm going to have them go through. So I'm really happy that nice. it arrived in time. Wait, so. of the 100 adventures for DCC, how many of them do you have? Um, there are not 100 adventures for DCC. There are 100 adventures that Goodman Games has made so far. Um, oh, okay. So the, gotcha. I, think it was, I think it was 66 is when they stopped making third and fourth edition adventures and started making DCC adventures. So yeah. I, I do not have many. I have many as PDF, thanks to Humble Bundles. Uh, but mm -hmm. physically, I probably have, not counting the ones that I've bought PDF and printed, maybe like 10. So, okay. oh, and if I include, um, if I include uh, Dying Earth, then I have another like eight because that came, eight, eight adventures came with that. So, but, that's good. Very cool. Um, I don't know. I have a lot. They're fun. I like that game. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. And then um, I've been working on a small project and I guess this was kind of like a topic for conversation, which we don't really need to get into, but it got ideas of like, Maybe it's like writer's block, but I'm trying to write like a, a fun little hack of a game. And I'm mm -hmm. like, am I even a game designer? What am I trying to do? Am I just trying to be like my friends who write cool oh, games, no. but I'm not anywhere near as cool as them. Um, and so definitely have that like imposter syndrome, I guess is what they call it. Mm -hmm. But like I, mm -hmm. I had like a I was home alone last night and I was like sitting in front of my laptop trying to type. And I'm like, what am I even doing? You you can't do this. <laughs> oh no. So no, not good feelings this. to have, but I wanted to say it out loud to be like, other people have these feelings too. It's not just you. Yeah. Like I, I can guarantee I'm not the only person trying to write an adventure or a small system or a hack of something. Mm -hmm. And you're just like, nobody's gonna like this. What am I even doing? But no, yeah, he, I mean Megagoons, come on. <laughs> you know, and you're like you're like experimenting with different dice systems that sounds like a game designer to me nobody does that unless they're trying to design trying to figure out what they like or what they could use in the yeah. future when they do design something well and jp cooper so. was saying i guess there was something on twitter a while ago he made a video about this saying like he's like i think everybody's a game designer like if you're yeah. if you're at a table and you're just like i'm gonna do x y and z then you're a game designer and you're not necessarily publishing game design stuff, but you're designing it for your players. Mm -hmm. And that that really helped me get into a better mindset of like, no, like even if nobody sees this, you're still working and designing and things like that. And the thing is, is people will see this. Uh, mm -hmm. I was looking at it and I'm like, this isn't going to make me a million dollars. But like, that's not the point. The point is to make something fun. And so, yeah, um, yeah. like Mecha Goons was fun to make and, and it's out there mm -hmm. and I don't have good art for it, but it's still out there. And logistical <laughs> locks was fun to make and it's out there, you know. And so this will be my my next one that I work on and things like Dragon that. Dragon on the mouth. It's out there. Yeah. People played it. And That's right. It. I forgot about I that one. It. There you go. <laughs> People like that game. Yeah. It's out there. There you go. It's an adventure. Probably needs another adventure now, but you know, yeah. Yeah, I should write another adventure. <laughs> um, I want to write a, a well, uh, yeah, never mind. I was like, I was reading Dying Earth the other day, and I'm like, I should write another dying. I should write a Dying Earth adventure. And I'm like, ah, like, too busy, too busy. You but, got eight of them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's a great world where you would want it to write. Is. It's such a good world. Yeah. So keep your spirits up and realize mm -hmm. that you're not the only person out there who feels like a phony sometimes. But yeah, you'll be awesome. And on that somber note, what's going on at Dungeon of the Mad Mage? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, so we're playing. Um, ran into some cool, like we're fighting some Halister creations, which have been pretty fun. Um, we're getting closer. We just found the, the stairs down, so we're ready to already go probably another level down. We're getting to the 
to the dregs here. It's getting smaller and smaller. We are looking, though, on this level to fight for the first time, which I've never fought before in a Dungeons and Dragons game, a lich. We're on the hunt for a lich. Oh, snap. So we'll get to see how cool or how awesome or how dead we'll be when we try to fight one of those. Um, so that's interesting. I do like that if you do play the campaign, Dungeon of the Mad Mage, you get a wide variety of creatures. They're really deep diving into the monster manuals and the books to get mm-hmm. all these different things you need to, to fight or attack or, or do something with her. Sometimes you can negotiate or just work with or you know, move around or whatever. But if you ever thought, you know, one thing that can happen when you play just a lot of lower level campaigns, you might be running into the same things over and over because your campaigns never really get much out of like that goblins, one five stage. Slightly right? different so, yeah. goblins. These right. the goblins are so, blue. Cob- yeah. Kobolds, <laughs> yeah. some orcs, you know, or something like that. But now when you start to get in those higher, higher levels, you really are starting to see lots of crazy creatures with lots of different abilities. A lot more saving throw kinds of stuff going on, special ability things happening. Um but it's been pretty fun. Now we are certainly super powerful superhero like like uh, characters at this point. Some of the stuff we're pulling yeah. off is like you know crazy. But um, we what also level have, are you now? Uh, like, are you said seventeen or? Yeah, seventeen. Okay. Even though I'm split level, but yeah, basically full level seventeen. Um, few of us have also, which has been really cool, uh, weapons that evolve just like our characters evolve through play or doing certain things and at certain points. Um, the our dungeon master has been tracking like you've done this a number of times and now once you've done it enough this new thing happens this new ability manifests itself or what from this main weapon or thing like so my bow has been manifesting powers and stuff too so that's another creative way to put in fun things that's not just running what the book says to do or you know yeah. go through it but adding in other things that allow you to kind of interject with the, the game so pretty good um we're super high level we're we're slinging lots of cool stuff lots of cool magic items have been have been gotten and lots of gold we're we're getting so much gold uh, now that we're it's crazy how's your um attunement like has that been a problem yes yeah okay (laughs) exactly that's like a that's a big drawback for my character is it almost like what do i want to attune to this morning is it getting, yeah. is it getting to that? Like you it's, keep those weapons, but you don't know which one to use or it's more like, we're not going to use things that would be useful because we're not giving up the attunements we already have. Like okay. for my guy, I used all my attunement slots were things that bumped my stats up to 18s or twenties. And I don't want to get rid of those to then attune to a weapon, but then my constitution goes back down to like a normal number. Whereas right, right now it's all, 18s, 19s, and 20s, every one of my stats are like ramped up due to attunement stuff. So all mine's wrapped up in trying to make my guy really high stat wise. So yeah, I have to pass things up all the time. I couldn't use a sunblader. I couldn't use you know, these other things that you're going to attune to. So it's definitely hampering on that. But you know, that's what it's supposed to do, right? It's supposed to keep an eye on that, that creep of power, power creep. Um, It'd be interesting. And now we're at the, this is also the point where you start to think about when you multi-level or you, you multi-class, it's great, but now you're at the level where you start to think, was it a mistake? Because you could be a 17th level wizard at this point yeah. instead of just the 11th level wizard and the, you know, the, the fifth level, sixth level cleric that you went or rogue or fighter or whatever where you're taking, and it's worked all this way here, and it's got us here, and it's, and it's given you all that versatility you wanted to get to this point. But then you start looking at, well, what would have happened if I just had stuck it out and just been full-on 17th level, almost getting to 18th level, you know, whatever. Um, so you start to have those kinds of yeah, questions. <laughs> I think you're you're probably powerful in your own way, but yeah, it, it limits those big game-ending, you know, yeah. like, teleporting yeah. out of a dungeon instantly and eighth and ninth yeah. level spells like those are yeah i'll never those see those changing. in, in yeah. this <laughs> um, but at the same time uh i think you have to look at it as like this is not the build i'm going for end game because you're treating that more of like a video game but more of a i'm gonna this is what my character is you know 
Um, yeah. And I'm sure you have magic items that are probably equal to like eighth and ninth level spells at some point. But yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, and one of our guys is running around with like an AC 27 or, yeah, or something just ridiculous at that point. And it what it makes is it makes it tough that you're. I feel like you're super tough, but you can also be super brittle because it can all fall apart at the wrong time. And then like, then you really feel how mortal your, your guy is, but you're at a hundred. Uh, we had a meteor strike hit one of our players and it was like a hundred and something damage right off. And he went right down. Like it was just like, you know, so there are things out there that still will grab hundreds and fifty points of damage right off or yeah you know those kinds of things that'll just kill you outright you know word of death kind of stuff you know um so it's interesting to be at this high of a level to see what that looks like but Power i still think kill is still scary finger of death things yeah. like that yeah yeah but i still think i if i had to say it i still think i enjoy that five to ten level of adventuring i think that's the sweet spot for me of there's enough power that you are more powerful than just a normal person. You're not so powerful that you're reaching towards demigods and godlike powers and you're, you're, you're there. And you're just starting to realize that, yes, there, my character could go on and have more cool things, but that five to ten area is the fun part to play, I think, where you're, uh, I think for me. So I think yeah. those are still my favorite parts of the campaign is that, that spot. Five to ten is really good for me for like grid based tactical combat stuff. And then I feel like 11 plus gets into like, wait, you can do what? Like, uh, and mm -hmm, then yeah. really 11 plus works better for theater of the mind. And instead of like, mm -hmm. like, what are you trying to accomplish in this scene as opposed to what are you trying to accomplish in this battle? Uh, and I don't know that may like, there's a, there's a reason that lower level or like more osr games just go like levels one to ten and ten is still mm -hmm. very powerful in those games you know it's the equivalent of 20 but they i don't know yeah i agree like i think in yeah. D, D 5e five to ten is my favorite and i yeah. i like to start and, games at five and i feel good right. there so and i'm playing the the one i'm starting up i have our characters at level one and i'm looking at the creatures one roll and one of these guys are going down yeah like you can't even plan for what's going to happen because they have so few hit points and all of the creatures at the low levels can hit for at least five or six hit points of damage that could set somebody down. <laughs> so it's so crazy that level one is so brittle and like, so you, you got to be careful. You'll kill your party off, but if they get to third, usually you as a dungeon master, you can start to balance things out. You have a better idea. Yeah. Fifth, all the way up to 10th, you can actually, you can craft things that are going to be challenging and, and they're going to like it. And, but past that, then it starts to get, you're back to, I don't know what's going to happen here. You could put a big beast out there. That's a CR 22 and they might walk through it because it's only a one creature and they're just the, the, the economy of action is happening so crazy with them that they beat it. But then you could put out there, you know, two or three CR, I don't know, maybe like 11s, and they could wipe your party out if they shut something down that they they need to have. Like all of a sudden they shut the cleric down, and then that they've been relying on this whole time to keep yeah. them going. You know, it's like oh wait. Well, you talked about that AC, <laughs> like that one thing yeah. causes that AC to crumble. Uh, it's and it's the same thing with monsters because you come out with like three mm -hmm. monsters and they're just like okay I banish this and you're like oh oh I I these are not <laughs> tough anymore because yeah. you got rid of the one thing that was going to make this kind of synergize with all the other monsters and so uh yeah. yeah 5e combat's weird i'm hoping that the 2024 and the monster manual and stuff is a little more rebalanced because i'll be honest yeah. i haven't ran um 5e since they've kind of revamped a lot of those monsters in monsters of the multiverse um well i take that back i did run some uh great motor on march with monsters of the multiverse but like hypothetically that cr system is better and a little more fine right. Yeah, I haven't so. used that. Well, and I was looking at Coville's kind of way to do stuff in his book too. And I've been trying to itch to kind of try that out yeah. and see if it's a better way for trying to decide, you know, encounter level and balance and stuff. But um, we're right at the low levels at the moment for the one I'm going to, that I'm running. So it's like, you don't have you to You got to see how yet. tactical you don't need... your players are too. So. <laughs> yeah. 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 They're brand new. It's low. 
we'll get the third level and then, then that stuff will start to kick in, I think. So uh well it sounds really awesome. Yeah. I hope you get to play this mm -hmm. week. So Yeah, it'll be fun. Hope yeah. I'm hoping. Uh, that's our show, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you so much for watching. Thank you for mm -hmm. liking and subscribing and sharing this podcast with your friends. Uh, we stream live Saturday mornings at 9 a.m. Pacific, and you're always welcome to join us and chat with us. Um, that That's all I got. We will be back next week. Well, I will be back next week. I think Lucian's yeah. out. So I'll, I'll see if I can find... Sure next week. I'll find a guest or we'll do a uh, a solo show with Jordan, which are... Those are fun, too. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, we'll be back next week with another episode of the Saturday Morning RPG Show. Take care. Everybody.